Right, so welcome back to the BAST podcast, talking to singing teachers about their lives, their careers, their journeys, their lessons learnt and their resources. Today, I want to welcome my friend Lisa Perks. She and I have done change. I came here and into the UK and then she went from the UK over to Australia. And we met many years ago through um, working together with uh, Speech Little Singing in that organisation. And then very sadly for me, Lisa decided to up sticks with her family and go over to Australia. Well, actually, at that stage, you didn't even have a family. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about moving and setting up again and about incorporating family and how that impacts on teaching and then find out what other amazing things Lisa's been doing. So welcome, Lisa. Lovely to see you. So, yeah, we... um, we were just talking a little bit before the podcast started recording about some of your experiences and I'm really interested, having done it myself uh, to some degree, coming over from Australia to the UK, um, in your experience of going from being quite a well-established teacher here in the UK, mm-hmm. you were working at Colchester, isn't that right? Yep, um, the institute there, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, as well as having your own practice and then going to a foreign country. Luckily, at least we speak some form of English in Australia. Really? <laughs> and setting it up all from the beginning. So what what were the challenges for you? Um, well, <clears throat> um, yeah, good question. I really was still feeling my feet with speech level singing when I first came to Australia. So I came over and was not only new to Australia, but um, new to this technique that, you know, you you were done to. And, and, and so um, that was challenging because I, I kind of felt like I was setting something up and it was really important for the branding of that, that I did it right. Um, so there was this kind of underlying pressure that I felt on myself, which was all self-imposed, by the way. But I'm good like that. So, uh, <laughs> um, so, so that was a challenge. Um, and of course, we we're now talking 15 years ago. Because oh, was it? No, we said 14. It's 14 years since I've moved here. So this is although we had the internet then, it was very very different. Um, and I actually did most of my marketing at that point by reaching out to choirs and colleges with uh, the old method, you know, the carrier pigeon, which was, you know, the, the flyers and the, and the letter of, hi, I'm me and hope you like me and please give me a job or please send students my way. And, um, and, and oh, and by the way, there's this fabulous technique that I want you to know about and, you know, and I'm bringing over this person to do some workshops here and and so um you know I, I sort of hung my hat on that for a while and, and it was really old school I mean I was walking around the streets of St Kilda getting my flyer and tapping it in the cafe windows and leaving it at the hairdressers and you know everywhere I, I literally hot-footed it around and to be honest like as I think about that I look back on myself now that I'm 14 years down the line and I go I didn't realise I had that in me, actually. Do, do you know, like, I, even though I first, you know, first, um, first glance come across as really, really confident, um, 
I, there's something about selling yourself that feels difficult, you know, really difficult. So um, I think I was a little bit green. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I took a punt on myself. And um, yeah, as I said, I, I also was bringing people over from the US who I felt were more experienced. And, and they were, you know, indeed at the uh, uh, master teachers of that specific technique and so I did feel mm. like I could hang my hat a little bit on them um, if I'm really you know completely honest because that was what made me feel confident if they if they thought that I could do it then I could do it you know that and, and mm. for many years um, that's another story by the way but for many years that's definitely how I I you know I struggled with confidence it's it's, it's mm. the truth and it's probably only the last yeah three years that I've started to go, oh, <laughs> you need to let that go, Lise. <laughs> Long story. <laughs> I found that really interesting that you actually brought people over from the States to Australia to put on workshops when you didn't really have a great network already of, of um, people. That's quite risky, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I, I just, I... I don't know. You know, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you uh, props here because I think I kind of got that from you and um, oh, who was the other? Lucy, Lucy, and you brought Seth to the UK, didn't you? And, and among others, but well, yeah, no. Well, Lucy wasn't involved in that one, but she she did do different things. But yeah, I brought Seth over, but I'd already established myself by that stage yeah I think I was naive that's yeah I think there was an element of naivety about it uh, which is yeah. totally necessary and completely necessary if you're going to move overseas I might add well actually I think naivety is a good thing because I would never have started the magazine with yeah. if I'd had the knowledge and understanding that I do now <laughs> and and it's brought a lot of positive things yeah. you know it's not necessarily gone the direction that I wanted it to but it's brought positive things and experiences so recently I know you put on something that was really quite a major undertaking financially and risk-wise so what did you learn from that experience so what happened that maybe was a challenge you hadn't expected and then what did you learn from it um well um I met Gillianne I haven't I mean I've, I've, I've known of Gillianne for you know 20 something years um and I met her online in one of the Facebook forums or something um and really appreciated her honesty I think she's a very down-to-earth um gutsy female I I love down-to-earth gutsy females basically they're 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 my they're my tribe and um so I I reached out to her and, you know, was once again, I don't, there's, some, there's a theme here, you know, once again I, I sort of went, oh, gosh, you know, really, am I doing this, you know? Uh, and, and I was like, well, how much will you charge and, you know, all the rest of it. And, and she was lovely and her and Jeremy and I had many, many meetings and, you know, they were very tolerant with me in the sense of, um they were quite generous in in um, the sort of lead times where before they went and booked flights and things like that, so that 
it sort of minimised risk. But, of course, there comes a point in the process of uh, advertising an event when you've sold some tickets and you've not sold quite enough and it's time's ticking and you're going, okay, um, so, guys, uh, are we in? Um, you know, I don't have any money, like, uh, as in I don't really have the facility to support this. So, you know, we, we, I've been working for, I think at that point I've been working for like six months promoting it. So for, for all of us, and they, you know, they've given me stuff as well. And for all of us, we were kind of invested at one point and it was decision time and there wasn't enough money. Um, and it was very scary, actually, um, for me. I, you know, firstly, uh, you don't want to let your community down um, because a lot of people were very keen to, uh, to do it. Um, and then, you know, you've got your relationship with the person that you're bringing. So, um, yeah, it, there was some other stuff going on and it was, just, it was, it was, it was quite stressful. But that said... Um, we we just got our heads down. And I, I think at that point, they were as committed as I was. Um, it never, Thankfully, it never got there. Um, but, you know, I think we'd sort of, you know, we, we've come to an agreement and, and I just thought, I am not losing out. Like, no one's losing out here. And I, you know, I... I didn't pound the pavement this time. I didn't go around St Kilda and cafes and hairdressers or whatever I was doing. But, um, you know, I, I pounded Facebook. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it was hard for me and quite different. And I realised from myself that <laughs> that was, I mean, I'd done a, another few events over the course of the years, but that was a really significant uh, one because I was dealing with people that I actually didn't know. I had very little relationship with. So that was a big, you know, a big deal. Um, and my thoughts have gone funny. Um, oh, that's it. So the, when I came here and things weren't quite as, no, no one was on Facebook, there was none of this, you know, you've got to be on LinkedIn and you've got to look all sparkly and da-da. You know, it was, it was, it really was just go out, talk to people, say hi, don't be an idiot, you know, just just be nice um, and sell what you've got. And it was quite old-fashioned. And just in the course of 14 years or 13 years, I, I just felt like I was in the middle of something that I really was quite overwhelmed by. I, I was, it, was, um, it was difficult. <laughs> and, I, I, and, and that's nobody's fault. It's just for me, I was like, oh, this is really different. Yeah, so do you mean in terms of how you market? Yeah, totally. And completely um, not in my, to say it's not in my skill set, I think you can learn it. Um, it it's, it's just not in my area of com comfort. I, I, I like people. <laughs> and, and so that kind of thing about selling and flogging online and it, it just it, it's it's really very different and I've, I've got to learn how to overcome that because I'm an aging singing teacher I'm you know in my 40s and and you know I still have a lot to give but nowadays you need to know quite a bit about marketing or have enough 
money or support to be able to pay somebody who does know a lot. So how did you get people coming to the event in the end? Uh, oh, okay. So <laughs> I, I nearly got myself into some trouble because I did send out a lot of emails off of databases online um, and I got my wrist slapped uh, because apparently it was unsolicited mail. Anyway, um, and this is this is actually great knowledge for everybody, although I'm sure country to country it's different. Um, so I don't know, for whatever reason, somebody decided that it wasn't right that I did this, even though it was this, well, I thought a really well-crafted email explaining, uh, you know, a little bit about what I was doing, including a little bit about Jeremy and Gillianne and, and somebody else who I brought over as well, um, and an introduction to me and, how, you know, just it was just a decent email. It wasn't, it wasn't not a hard sell at all, but it got, you know, I got, I got a, yeah, I got a wrap over the knuckles. So um, a friend of mine who is in law did a bit of delving for me and um, he said, I tell you, you were completely within your rights to do it. Um, apparently the unsolicited male stuff, um, if you are in a direct correlation business-wise, so in other words, singing teacher to singing teacher as it was or singing teacher to singer, um, you are more than welcome to contact them. It has to have an opt-out in the bottom, um, which is fair enough. Um, and, yeah, so peer-to-peer -peer is not unsolicited emails. So in case anyone needs to pound, you know, pound the pavement, as it were, or pound the internet, um, do things kindly, nicely. I did, but, you know... I did get wrapped around the round the knuckles. So I, anyway, from that I from my big database of like eight hundred people, which as you can imagine took a while to get together. Um, I got you know a significant number of people who agreed to, you know, say yeah, I'd like to hear more more from you. Um, so I kept them in touch by email, invited them onto a Facebook page. Um, some of them went onto messenger groups. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty. That's pretty much how I marketed it. Um, but yes, it, it's it's a funny, yeah. And and being of the nature that I am, I, I don't want to offend anyone. You know, I was really quite devastated. But the person who had to wrap me around the knuckles actually um, is just one of the nicest people. And uh, she ended she she heads up a certain organisation, and she ended up. Um, coming to the workshops and you know she, she was actually really kind I think she she sort of took pity on me in a way because she realized that I was trying to do something really positive but you know to be honest it is different in the UK because of GDPR oh gosh yeah uh, and eventually and and actually if you are outside of the Europe European well what's now the European um <laughs> what is that council that you still have to follow GDPR but that's something I would encourage every singing teacher to go and check out is data protection in their country and what the rules yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. So so you didn't do any actual Facebook advertising? Yes, I did a bit, yeah. Um, as in like targeted stuff. Yeah, yeah. Look, I paid, I don't know. I mean, this is bad business. I, I definitely spent a few hundred dollars 
on on Facebook advertising. Um, and I don't know if I really recouped. I mean, I, I definitely got the money back, but I'm not entirely sure that my bang for buck was there, as it were. Mm. Yeah, the Facebook stuff and Google ads, you have to decide, are you doing it because you're building your brand or trying to get people to buy stuff? And exactly. Because I'm learning all that myself through the various things that I'm doing, including with BAST. Um, and you need to have people around who can actually help you understand the analytics and to follow through from where someone clicks through or sees the ad and how it then translates into money. So what were the other things that challenged you on that particular event? Um, stamina for me, really, um, because we started, to, uh, well, I mean, Gillian and I started talking in May in 2018 and then I started to sort of tentatively work on things in July of 2018 and of course the event wasn't until April this year 2019 um and so I you know yeah that that was and just keeping that momentum going whilst not being too in everybody's face every five seconds because no one wants to know about something that's happening in eight months time every single day of the week. So um, it was it was like gauging, okay, so I'm going to just mention it now and then I'm going to mention something else in a month's time. And then uh, Gillian was really kind and she'd do the odd occasional video or something, or, you know, just to, to you know. So so it was like this uh, drip feed, I guess, of, of, of information. Yeah. Um, that, but, you know, and, and with that, um, I guess I'm a sprinter. I'm not a long distance runner. Um, I'm incredibly productive, but I have to be in, you know, give me a time frame, give me a, you know, and I'll, I'll work within it. But when you're working over months and months and months, and dare I say it with, with a few dramas in between it, with things like the advertising and, you know, it was, yeah, that was challenging. For someone like me, but not challenging for everybody, just me, you know. Mm. Well, no, I think a lot of teachers are finding that side of building their business challenging. So it's really funny because initially when we talked about how do I introduce you, I, I said, are you talking about being still talking about being a vocal coach or teacher? And you said, I don't really know what I am. So you're, you're definitely stepping into the realms of being a business owner and entrepreneur. Wow. How do you feel that putting on these major events is impacting on your, on your studio uh, practice? Um, back in the day when I was doing the, the speech level stuff, it was very positive. Um, I, you know, I had um, a very busy business <clears throat> for my first, how many years do I had? Uh, Ah, so the first five years, five or six years of, of business for me were very fruitful here. I was running a lot of events through um, speech level singing and um, and my business was growing because of that particular brand. It, it was a bit sort of in vogue and people were like, oh, yeah, you know, we want to do that. So um, I was very busy. I actually had my home studio. I had a studio in the city that I worked at one day a week and I I opened up a kid's school. Um, you know, I was I was busy. Um, where am I going with this? What did you ask me? <laughs> how, how putting on these events has impacted on your business? Um, 
Yeah, so then it was it was really, really positive. Um, I think because I was a certified teacher, it was just the whole kind of packaging branding thing and it worked quite well. Um, and then um, then I had children. I, so I, I had my first daughter six years into, no, that can't be right, can it? She's nine. No, I'm five years. Anyway, five years into being here. Um, and, of course, you know, things slowed down at that point for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I that things slowed down then and then I didn't do any events until 2018. Yeah, 2018. And um, I bought over the lovely Greg Enriquez um, and his... Uh, a, a, a new lady, someone who I'd never met before, um, called Rhonda Carlson, and she came with her husband, Kevin Patrickwin, and they did some workshops here in Melbourne, and uh, it was just delightful. To be honest, as far as my studio, that, that relates to my studio, um, the last two events I wouldn't say have done anything from generating business in my studio. Um, what they've done is they've just brought back a sense of connectedness to um, to the broader community because I think the one thing that I've struggled with since moving to Australia and giving the job up that I had in the college in the UK is a lack of camaraderie, that day-to-day seeing other people, chewing the fat, having a coffee, having a beer, whatever you're doing. Um, you know, I, I really missed that. Um, and so being a, a, you would know this, teaching yourself on your own, it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting life choice that my personality would have taken on because I'm out there. <laughs> so now you feel like uh, rather than focusing on building the practice, it's more about building a community? Definitely. Um, look, I... I I I will I mean I need to build my practice because the the if we if we sort of look at the five first five years of business here and then the last nine years um, I had Verity my first child and then um, there was a big gap I had some operations in that time which I'm, I'm quite happy to talk about but um, had some operations in that time then I had Florence six years after Verity. Um, and so I've only been teaching again since Florence for the last two years. Um, so it's been very sporadic. And, and mm-hmm. I, 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 I sort of touched on this earlier. I feel like I've been behind the times the last nine years with trying to keep up with what technology demands of us as independent teachers. Mm. And I've almost kind of gone, I don't want to do that. You know, just give me a book. I just want to learn. You know, just just give me some community. Give me books. Give me this. Give me that. But don't give me the computer, for God's sake. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, does that answer your question? Yeah. So now that you're not necessarily as involved with, well, speech level singing was a great place for us to all kind of congregate and and learn this one method and everything. So, how are you replacing all that? What are you replacing it with? Uh-huh. Oh, I've gone over to the other side, love. I've gone to the dark side. No, um, I, I, I'm replacing it with so many different types of things. And um, the one sort of 
very different approach that I would say that um, I'm using and finding quite um, amazing results with is um, I've been working with um, Mary Beth, Dr. Mary Beth Dane, uh, with core singing. I don't, we haven't had this conversation. Do you know core singing? I know about it, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, for you to explain it, you know, from your point of view. Well, look, I'm, I, I'm green at it. I'm still working it out. Um, and, you know, I struggle with some of the concepts. I've, you know, I talked to Mary Beth about it and she's got this online course that um, actually, you know what, really for, for, for new teachers as well who, you know, once they've done their BAST or whatever they're going to do, it's a really nice add-on because it's a it's an approach that's more kind of uh, energetically led um and uh, it really values the the artist as a whole um and the body as a whole um you know i can't think of too many conversations about larynxes to be honest um you know there, i mean she covers things like breathing and posture um and um ways to you know, um, approach songs, for instance, but it's done in, in many different ways, you know, to, to what traditional methods might use. And, um, and I found it to be quite, quite astonishing, actually, the, the results that I'm seeing in myself um, and in my students as well. Um, it, it, it's... I don't know. It's, it's spiritual, I guess. It's 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 energetic. It's spiritual, but it's it's founded in science. It's not, you know. It's, there's lots of stuff that can back it up. Um, you know. Um, yeah, I, I've just found it to be very interesting. Very very. Can you give any examples of how you would use it in your with a student? Yeah. Um, well, only today. Um, I was using a part of her approach to learning songs with a student, and um, I can't give the game away. Maybe if I give it, if I give a taster, then maybe people will go and subscribe to her course. I don't know, um, but um, you know, uh, she takes you through a process that sort of seems to approach everything from a mind-body basis. So you sort of um, instead of uh, just say learning a song because you've heard it on the radio and you kind of just write the lyrics down. I'm guilty of this, did it all the time, you know, when I was gigging. Oh, yeah, we need to sing that song tonight, da, 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 da. you know, and you kind of fluff your way through it or whatever. And then over years you might come to know it really well. She really wants to explore text first. So it's, it's, it's a little um, more that particular part of the course is quite acting-based, but you explore the text, you look at the... The, the where's, the who's, the what's within the text. You really create the character and the setting um, before you even look at it melodically or lyrically. You, you literally talk about it. Um, then you go through it with um, speaking, speaking the lyrics, but you speak them with long vowels and then you speak them by going up and down vowels. And it really sort of... It's it's a it's an in-depth way of learning, but you really, really take on board energetically, dare I say that, the entire song. So, and there's, I mean, I think there's about 16 steps. 
So it sounds very lengthy, especially in contemporary singing, which is one of the things I said to her. I said, oh, come on, you know, like this is like, oh, you know, so many parts. And, you know, she's like, now, you just do it and tell me what you think, you know, like, and, and look, I can't honestly say that I've done the whole 16 steps yet with anyone, but we went through probably about 10 steps today, me and a client, and just he he was just singing so beautifully and and he's he was he was kind of like he's he's a bit wooden this guy you know so once he really got to understand what he was singing and when he got out of his mind you know this shut down that whole analytical side which is the big thing about coursing you know shut down that left brain get rid of the analyst you know um, and 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 embody the other part, play, lots of play-based stuff. So, you know, I'm a yeah, you know, I'm a goofball, so I, I love play. So, you know, I'm not I'm not scared to make an idiot of myself. And so I think that this particular technique works really well with a teacher like me, because you've got to get in and it's, you know, it's and and this guy, as I said, who is quite wooden, I've never heard him sing like that. I've been working with him for five years. Um, I've never heard him sing like that. So actually, if Mary Beth sees this, she'll go, aha. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I'm doing her that much justice right now. But but it's it's an amazing thing and it's really, I'm deeply analytical. Um, and and so that has really stood in my way as a, as a vocalist um, and really um, both professionally and personally and spiritually over the last three years, um, I've done a lot of work on this um, and it's just like, it's beautiful. Like I I don't really, oh, can I mention the the operation? Can I? Have we got time for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I um, just so the, the people know where I'm coming from, I uh, had... Uh, how many operations? Three operations on my voice. Um, we knew that there was a problem there many years ago um, and it was a, I guess we went in looking for a polyp? No, no, we went in looking at a nodule because it was coming and going um, and I'd, I'd had it there for years and, you know, it was one of those things that it wasn't going, it wasn't getting worse but I kind of had enough. And I think I, I knew about it for about six or seven years. Um, and I decided that's enough. I want to get this thing off so that I can sing again. So I went under the knife and um, had the operation. Didn't feel my recovery was very good. Spoke to the speech therapist about it. And she said, oh, you're just worrying. You're just worrying. Go, go and have a sing, you know. So I came home and I Rah! had a big sing and um, I was like, Mm, no. So I rang back and I said, I'm insisting on a scope. And they had a scope and he was like, oh, my gosh. I won't say what he said. It was beep, 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 beep. And he's like, yeah, that's that's not healing correctly. Um, uh, it looks like there's scar tissue damage. So I was devastated. Um, and then so that happened. He said, Oh, that's right. He said, come in and I'll um, go under again and have some cortisone injections to try and get rid of some of the swelling and, and aid with some level of healing. So I went back in and then I woke up from the operation and he's standing over me and like just 
I've known him for quite a few years and so he's sort of looking at me this surgeon it just brings chills to my spine and he just said I'm so sorry he said I I found a cyst um and so I had to remove it because we don't know you know naturally um he had to do what he had to do so he'd gone in taken out a nodule only a few months before I went back in injection found a cyst had it removed scar tissue damage then I went back in and had some more um, cortisone after I'd um, some, some significant time after the uh, cyst was removed. So the, the focal folds have been pretty battered, to be honest. Um, so battered and shattered me completely. Um, so I went through this whole thing of um, being a fraud, you know, never... Uh, how dare I teach, you know, just just horrible, horrible, horrible things. Um, very dark period in my life. Um, <clears throat> and anyway, after I had Florence, which is my second child, she's coming up to three, I was, I had postnatal depression and, um, oh, my gosh, <laughs> wow. Um, and I decided that this day, having not sung for myself for years. I mean, we're talking years and years. I wouldn't, I mean, I vocalise, but I wouldn't sing songs or, you know, definitely not. I sat at my piano and I remember I said to myself, you have the right to sing. Like, you absolutely have the right to sing. And I sat there and I played some chords and I just had a bit of a jam and just sung my heart out. And I thought, yeah, this is right. This, This is what I need. Like, this is so important um and so um so getting back to how that links into why I do what I do now um is that really that if I could write a t-shirt that would be my slogan you know the right to sing um and and so doing this sort of more energetic based work um that deals with shutting down the left brain which is very analytical and you know, comes from, yeah, yeah, we need it, right? We, I'm not dismissing it. We do need it. But when that overtakes the creative process and shuts you down to the degree it shut me down, you've got to come out of it. It's as simple as that. Like you have to come out of it. And so I've kind of just gone, okay, here I am. And I've just fallen into this and it's, yeah, it, it's really changed my perspective on teaching, my teaching style has changed very dramatically over the last two years because I want people to walk in my room and feel that they can sing. My expectancy before they even open their mouths is that they can sing. You know, I believe great things for them. And so that's that's why I really like this approach. And it's you know, it, you can bring in the other things that you you need, the, the, the fix-it scales that I would have used for years and years down the line with um, speech level singing and other things that I've picked up along the way. I mean, Gillian and Jeremy's work is amazing. Um, so, I, you know, I borrow a little bit of their stuff and a bit of this, a bit of that. But um, I'm very passionate about people finding their space to express. And I think that really comes from a deep-seated thing that's happened to me yeah and that's what brings that's also what brings you your unique approach really that's your 
So out of that, you can create a methodology that belongs to you, that's unique to you and an experience that we'll be able to relate to because that's how they feel about singing as well. And I, I agree with that whole much more holistic approach to the singer and it's definitely the way I've been focused over the last sort of eight years. You know, when I came away from speech level singing, I was like, oh, well, what now? Because I was so used to being told how to do it, what to do, when to do it, how to say it, how, you know, and being given that kind of framework. And even though I knew it wasn't completely taking in everything, it was, it worked for me for for a long time. And, you know, it still brought new students in all the time. It helped me with my business as well. As you said, there was a certain amount of kudos with being associated with the brand. But when I came away from there, I was like, so what now, you know, and and um, now I don't have a brand behind me. How do I pursue being a teacher um, and having something that people want, you know, that's not based on that brand? Mm. And it's one of the things that I've been very specific about with fast is that we're not a methodology we're just foundational we're just getting you started giving you some uh, background understanding foundational understanding of the instrument you're working with and that includes holistically the person the way they think their interests their vocal style their personality style their learning style all of that stuff but you know there's only so much you can give in a 20 hour course but i'm hoping that it then opens it lays a really good foundation for somebody then to go and take in all the other stuff that's out there because there are amazing teachers out there and and even outside of the singing teacher realm you know there's people who come from acting from performance from psychotherapy from hypnotherapy from the more energy level um, and then the science side of things and all of these things can inform the singing teacher and it helps them to develop as their own brand yeah because every singing teacher will have something new to or different to bring to the singer that's it and I, I think that um, you know it, using that term sort of unique selling point this isn't it's a horrible term isn't it especially when you're talking about your, you know you, yourself or, or a human being but um, I think it's it's really really important that that all teachers, um, especially new ones, um, really find what they care most about. And and when you care about something deeply, you will operate really well in that place. Um, and and you know, um, I I think that that can change too. I know that for. And I cared about certain things, um, but but as a younger teacher, I think it is really really important to focus on that because if you don't care about it, your client is going to know about that. That is going to be so obvious, um, and and you know if you don't care about it, don't do it. Put your energy into the things that you care about because you will grow there. It's it's you know. Does that make sense? Totally. So what kind of, um, so obviously there, you do a variety of different courses and you've been looking at different modalities and, and methods and people. What other, what other resources do you have, like books or sites or people? Yeah. Um, I'm a big reader. 
So I, I read a lot um, when my brain isn't foggy um, <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, from parenthood and health issues. But um, I love books. And so um, there's a few books that have really impacted me. Um, I mean, I could I could rattle off a few of the kind of more um, – I, I don't know. Are they are they um, self help books? I don't know. But you know, anything uh, your Brené Brown stuff really helped me. Um, I think that she aces it as far as working out the the whole vulnerability thing. I you know, it's it's something that I try to live my life as in that zone as much as possible. Um, so that stuff's great. Um, the art of possibility. Um, I've forgotten the author, um, but it's it's a beautiful book. He um, Zander Benjamin Zander, that's the one. Thank you. <laughs> um, he's a he's a conductor, and um, he just I mean it, it is what it says on the cover. It's the art of possibility. So looking at you know sort of reframing different things in your life and and, and looking at that um, beautiful book and very quick to read as well. Um, the dynamics of the singing voice, Mary Beth's, um, Mary, uh, Dr. Ma- oh, it's actually it's Dr. Mary Beth Bunch Dame uh, at that point. Um, and uh, if anyone was going to buy that, I would suggest that you go for the the most current version. I think I've got the fourth edition or the fifth edition um, because that has quite a good um, chunk at the beginning that talks a bit about the stuff that we were talking about earlier. Um, as well as, you know, her anatomy and physiology. And actually, to quote Gillian, she said to me today, um, Mary Beth's A&P, i.e. anatomy and physiology, is second to none. Um, And so I think that's quite a high endorsement. So, um, you know, uh, definitely a good book. Um, And so I've got this one, The Performer's Voice. Yeah. Now, when was that written? Just out of it. Well, that was before she went off down the more energy um, type. Of, yeah. Because what happened was that I had read that book and thought it was amazing, you know, the anatomy and physiology in it. And then when I brought her to ACM to teach, she was basically the whole class was on energy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. And then that ended up becoming the core singing program that she developed started and when I asked her about why she wasn't doing any anatomy and physiology and she said oh no I don't do that anymore you know because that's not really what singing is about do you know what I think that I think she's right actually I mean yes of course know some anatomy and physiology um but let's get let's get to the real crux here why do people want to sing like really, like it—that's our job. Our job is to encourage people to find their voices, and 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 knowing about anatomy and physiology, of course, great, you know, um, and and understand it. And there's some people out there that that just love that stuff and nerd out on it. Um, and and she clearly knows her stuff about that. Um, so for someone, so for a heavyweight like that to say it. I mean, I look at it as a heavyweight in that particular realm. For her to say that, mm. I kind of go, hmm, I, I think I think I I think I agree with you. I mean 
I do agree, but I also think that she's saying it from the point of view of someone who already knows all that stuff. Yeah. And that in the beginning, in the beginning, if you don't understand the fundamentals of the structure you're working with, you know, to go straight into this more, it's it's like layers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, so we just, it's like a, a pyramid. It's like we do need to have this foundational stuff first, then we go to the next level. And she's probably at that peak of the triangle or maybe near the peak of that actualization, which is great because she's been through all those different levels. But I think when we're talking about getting started, we do need to get started with the fundamentals. And one of the big things that I feel is important for singers and singing teachers is that they understand the instrument that they can't see. And so understanding how the vocal folds open and close and lengthen and thin and what exercises will help to get a singer to do that in the beginning is really vital. And then as you get better at that and, you know, you can start to then work more intuitively or get into this deeper energy stuff, I do think it's absolutely relevant. Yeah. Um, but I think this is still a good book for people, beginners to get started with, and then the dynamics, um, you know, is another level. The other book that's actually worth a mention, um, because I read it, um, I, I only knew about this book because I, I bought Rhonda here last year, um, Rhonda Carlson, um, and I thought, well, if I'm going to bring her over, I better read her book. And um, and she wrote a, a really nice user-friendly book called What Do I Do With My Hands, um, which, once again, is one of those books that says what it is on the cover. Um, so it's a real um, insight into some acting techniques and some sort of um, ways to discover character um, and she does a lot of play-based stuff as well um, with with the development of learning. Um, and, yeah, so I think that resonated with me as well. Um, I, I also have been doing some uh, reading of a, a, a Franciscan monk, um, uh, priest, sorry, priest. Um, no, he's a monk. He's a monk. Uh, Richard Rohr, Father, Father Richard Rohr. I don't know if any if you've heard of him. Um but um, he talks about non-dualism. And so I'm finding that that's having a filter into my teaching as well. So this sort of right-wrong approach to teaching, I'm trying to sort of see the nuances, the the grey, you know, Um, because if we don't see the grey, we're not dealing with the person in front of us. Um, and and their needs and and all the other things. So, but that's a very that's philosophical, spiritual stuff. But you know, um, I found that that's had a had an impact on how I approach teaching too, which is quite lovely. Yeah, I mean, I found a lot of these external types of modalities and philosophies and teachings actually have impacted on my teaching as well. So right now. Um, I'm currently delving into um, uh, Bruce, there's a guy called Bruce Lipton who wrote The Biology of um, Biology of Belief and uh, basically, yeah, so he goes into us understanding DNA and genes and cells and and protein and the nucleus and all this sort of stuff and talks about the history of how we've discovered how we're made up as a as a being and the 
Human Genome Project um, basically was going to identify every single gene that existed in the human. And then once we knew every single gene, we would know how to control things and, you know, make people better or prevent illnesses. Anyway, it turns out that humans have only a thousand more genes than this tiny one cell or two cell worm. So obviously what makes us who we are as individuals and as beings is not about the genes. And that's the sort of stuff that Bruce Lipton is is kind of delving into. And what he's realised through some of the research that he's done on genetics and, um, uh, you know, his background and his interest is that actually it's related to the protein in, in the... Uh, in the cell, and that the protein is uh, impacted by external factors. And external factors can be environment, it could be, you know, to do with chemicals, it could do with hormones, it could be with what your mind is telling yourself. And so um, in actual fact, um, and it's sort of leading on to the fact that we can tell ourselves to repair or to change or to not do what we're expecting. Because a lot of people sort of say, well, I've got the gene for cancer, breast cancer. There's a clear example there. It's like, you know, my mum had it, my sister, my aunt, my grandmother. But actually there is a time at which the cell can decide not to follow that path, depending on what it's been told and what its external influences are. And so, yeah, that's been interesting. So I'm, I'm just about to do some work with somebody doing what's called um, cell command therapy, which is like hypnosis. And under hypnosis, you... So I've been training uh, in hypnosis recently. So under hypnosis, you're telling your cells to repair and to take that path of health and perfection and um, and to, you know, get rid of the scars or whatever. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on, on that. But I've definitely taken a much alternative approach to the way that I work with singers. And I don't do that with everybody, by the way. I wouldn't just say that to everybody. And I always say, this is what I've been learning about. I'm interested in maybe doing that work with you. Is that something you're open to? So it's my practice is changing quite considerably and it will be a very different practice by this time next year. Mm. Um, and the other thing is that I've realised that if I haven't got the mindset on board... Yeah. If that person's mindset's not on board, it won't matter how many wonderful exercises I give them, it's not going to help them to sing. Yeah, in fact, one of the one of the things um, that I tend to do is is set up intention. Um, and, and intention by the teacher as well as the student, of course. Um, and you know, I may not do that. So it's very, you have to gauge your clientele. So, so I may not say that directly to someone. Can we just take a moment to, you know, do some deep breathing and, and to, you know, make clear our intentions or whatever. But if you're intuitive, you can incorporate that in many different ways into the lesson. And it's a really good way to start a lesson, you know, and, and before actually, you know, before the student comes in, what's my intention? You know, really, um, what am I, what, am, what am I believing for them? What am I, you know, what am I going to give them, you know, and what are they actually going to bring to me too, you know? 
um, and being curious as well, you know, asking them as many questions as you can possibly ask them. Look at their bodies. Look at how they're standing. Are they are they being gregarious or, or do they look dour? I mean, most of the time you can kind of pick it up. Um, but you can, uh, this is actually Jeremy and, was it Jeremy? It might have been Jeremy or Gillian. One of them, anyway, talks a little bit about um, matching, um, I want to say energy again, but it's it's the wrong, you know, like how some people are really, well, it is energy. People who are, they walk in and they're like, yeah, you know, you may want to match them at first, but then you might need to just settle them down somehow. And how you do that is really based on your intuition and how to deal with that person in front of you. And then like the, there's the other people, the low energy people, who you've got to kind of start there with them, but then you've got to, you know, find a way to kind of lift them up. And that might be part of your voice, it might be through your body, it might be through making them laugh or whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, teaching is... It's not just exercises or songs, is it really? Let's be honest. <laughs> yes. No, no, there's a lot more. Um, there, that sort of reminded me of, uh, I, I can't remember where I was reading about this, but it was about communication is that sometimes in order to get somebody to trust you, you match their body language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's maybe a similar thing. I wanted to sort of go back and ask you a question about what you thought about the whole Facebook group, um, especially in the singing teacher world. Has that been beneficial? Is there warnings there? You know, because I've had many discussions with different teachers about the whole Facebook group thing. And and I tried to make sure that BAST is one of those very supportive kind of groups um, that where people aren't, um, you know, being mean or nasty to each other or, or condescending, but I know that not all Facebook groups are like that. Um, so what are your thoughts on the whole Facebook group thing? Mm. Oh, I think you have to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I think for me it's worked beautifully. I've, I've connected with some very beautiful people who I now consider to be friends. And, and on that level, um, it's about discernment and knowing when to type when not to type, um, you know, and, and if you spend enough time on those forums, you can get a feel for those that that are looking for a fight all the time and you can, you, it's it's discernment. Um, I, I, I can't help but say that. I think that almost this entire conversation has revolved around, you know, that, that whole idea of really trust your instincts and, and be discerning, be wise. You know, think twice before you type. On that note, tonight I didn't do that, and I'm sitting here regretting it. And I'll probably go online now and quickly <laughs> edit my post. But you know, um, when that was silly, Lisa. You know, that was that was Lisa going, "Oh, you're just so annoying. Let me just say something." And really, I should have clicked it as I normally do. Um, but um, yeah, look, I, I think that they they can be really, really excellent for um, finding new ideas, um, and you don't have to say anything, you know, or you can just say something nice and, and support it. Or, um, but yeah, be discerning. Be be discerning about what you're engaging with and who you're engaging with. Mm. I think. What do you think? 
Well, it's interesting because I sort of dip in and out periodically. I'm always about positive and supportive. Um, I don't believe in um, that anybody's right above anyone else and that I, you know, that someone has the right to dictate to someone else how they should behave or whatever. So, and I think this is with some of the groups and it's not just with singing teachers. Um, somebody was telling me about their local community where somebody had posted a question about something and, and had all these people jumping down their throats about it and being really quite mean. And I was like, wow, you know, why are people like that? But I guess, like you're saying, is that you don't have to respond, you don't have to, and, of course, you don't have to be a part of it. No. I found it interesting, like you were saying, is that you pick up things and you get to see how other people are working and you get to meet people. Um, I sort of dip in and out um, and I don't take anything particularly, you know, as gospel. But I know that some of the newer singing teachers can get quite intimidated by being in those groups. Um, And maybe, you know, my advice there would be just go into those groups and learn from what you're reading, even if you're learning about how you don't want to behave or be perceived. (laughs) That's it. There's there's a lesson there. There's a lesson there, you know, to be learned. I mean, as I said, like, look, for the most part, Lynn, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm a considered person. I don't really tend to, bleh, you know, I think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And, you know, but we're all weak from time to time. And, I mean, what I posted tonight really was nothing. Like it was just, you know, me being a bit of a smarty pants. But, you know, um, but... You know, that wasn't me being my greatest self in that moment. You know, I, I, I'll i probably go on and delete it because it was silly. But, but you know, there, there's big, big personalities on there. And, and, and for new teachers, I can totally see how that would be intimidating. And just be like um, most people on there are really nice, though. That's what I think. Yeah, there's uh, definitely some people who are sort of going around feeling as though somehow they have some sort of jurisdiction or right to take how people should be singing teachers. Yes, yes, thank you, and yes. And you don't want to intimidate young teachers because we were all young teachers at one point. There was something else I was going to say in that point, which was, um, oh, that's right, I had a conversation with someone else actually, one of, another uh, singing teacher who has got quite a big reputation and and is very good and very well respected, and he got into this sort of uh, fighting match with someone else who'd come on and made a comment about something. I can't remember if it was a comment about that teacher or about a technique or something, and I actually messaged messaged him, uh, my my friend, and I said, just stop it. I said because that person, they are on that track they've got cognitive bias and they are never, ever, ever going to change their mind and there's nothing that you're going to say, there's nothing that you can do that will help them or that will make them change their mind or see any other perspective. So just zip it, stop, no no more, don't make any more comments, just say I respect your point of view um, but I don't agree and and that's it. You know, you know, the first, the first, uh, the first, the first moment of, hang on, the first step of war 
is defence. The first line of war is defence. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Do you understand what I mean? So if someone says something and you defend it, defend yourself or come in and blah, 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 then you're at war. That's the official starting of a war. So if you don't want to start wars, just don't don't defend. So I think this has been a really interesting uh, conversation. Where are you going from moving forward? How? So what's your focus with your teaching practice in your business yeah actually I'm I'm about to uh, engage with a, a really uh, a business coach that that deals specifically with singing teachers um, and, and independent businesses because I think that uh, like you after the whole SLS thing um, after my uh, terrible operations and, and the, the permanent damage and the sort of fallout from that, the two kids, you know, the, um, the other health issues that I have, um, I'm, I'm, I'm repackaging myself because I think that I, I love teaching and I love connecting with people and watching people flourish. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what this is going to look like um, here on in. I, I, I have a passion to help people who maybe have lost their mojo a bit. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm doing some just generic coaching courses at the moment, um, <clears throat> just on my own. Um, I, I think ultimately for me what will end up is I'll probably do a lot more formalised coaching um, courses and then that will have an impact on on how I go forward as a teacher. But I, I, I think going back to what I said earlier about young teachers, understand what you care about, really, and, and know your stuff about what you care about most. Um, and yet, like you just find this insatiable appetite. When, when you know what you love, there's an appetite there. And then when you get that appetite, feed it, um, and run with it. So I think on that note, I think that's probably where my business is heading ultimately. Um, I, I really want to work um, long distance as well with people who've struggled. So, yeah, I, and, and work on their voices as well, but, but really holistic, holistic. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, it's been so fantastic catching up with you and Thanks so much for sharing oh, with, so uh, with us and I look forward to hearing how the new package goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knows? What's this new package? Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you got whatever you need. And call me up if you need anything else. So how can people contact you? Um, well, you can email me, uh, lisapvoice at optusnet.com.au. So that's O-P-T-U-S. Optus, yes, net, N-E-T, dot com, dot A-U. Um, contact me uh, on the website, which is www.singwithease.com. And I think I'm going to stand out on a limb now and say, look out for the right to sing.com. Because uh, I think that's where my business is heading. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What do you reckon? Do you like it? I think that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, uh, but, but if anyone's got questions, please contact me. I'm more than willing to engage. Lovely. Thanks so much. See you later. Bye. <laughs>